We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. I'm verified, blue check, all that good stuff. Chris, talk to the people. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right. We have a special guest joining us on this week's episode of the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. We're not going to preview the Steelers game coming up in week six. We're going to go a different route because the Seahawks are so bad. I don't know if we want to hear that much about the other team. We have the homie Sam Gold on the line. Sam, what is up? Good to see you. Good to see you guys, too. I'm glad to be back on the show. Yes, oh, man. No, we love it. Love your insights. We said it last time you were on the show. It's it, it's nice to have someone who's willing to take the hours and hours and hours it takes to watch film and understand football. It's very hard. <laughs> uh, and not only do you understand that you can explain it to us neanderthals when it comes to uh football knowledge so let's dive right in sam you ready let's do it all right so i I mentioned to this this to you before we press the record button that jamal adams has become like public enemy number one in in the seahawks world Uh, he has taken the place of um a jermaine curse a a jermaine affetti cj pro size even um, just a seahawk no one likes yeah honestly he has overtaken trey flowers as like the most polarizing figure on the seahawks which is really hard to do because before trey got cut on wednesday he was he was it was a lot so um by the time this podcast comes out you will have done your film study and it'll be out on your youtube channel everyone to go check that out sam looking at jamal adams's play but for those people who are here right now what are you seeing from jamal adams on the seahawks defense in 2021 so that's a, that's a good question overall, and that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out in my video in terms of what exactly is going on and what's different from, let's say, this year to last year, and then mm-hmm. say last year or the year before that to his final year with the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the theme of the video that will be coming out, I guess, today for the viewers of this channel, but as we're recording it the night before, all right, whatever, <laughs> time, time tripping, we're going Westworld over here. Um, the the main takeaway I think I had throughout this is that I think he's being unfairly criticized for how much people are tearing him apart. I think he's being unfairly criticized for how 
much pro football focus doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, I think he's playing better than that. Now, my big however. Mm-hmm. Okay, I knew it was coming. Playing. I knew there was a but. <laughs> he's still not playing great. Mm-hmm. He's only playing, in my opinion, okay. And that's kind of how the debate begins, is that is someone that just plays okay that you traded two first rounders, a third, your boy Bradley McDougald, and you know, you get you get Jamal Adams for all that. He's not he's not been playing up to that value, and he's not been playing up to the 17 and a half million dollars he got this offseason. And so and so and so that's kind of the debate is that in any given year on this defense, I would say he's an average-ish player this year. Like he's he's probably right in the middle of the pack. And that's not what you're paying for, though. Yeah. And so that's what keeps coming back to me is that, all right, so we, we can we can start in the basics. Most of the time in run defense, he has the right fit in terms of where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. He throws his body in there. He's trying to make a play. He's trying, to, he's trying to drive at the ball carrier. He's always willing to make a tackle. And those things have always been true of Jamal Adams. This year, he's been using his shoulder a lot more to try to make hits which means that he's missed a few. And remember that Vikings one on the sideline where the running back just spun out. And I think it was Madison and that should yeah. never happen. Um, he, he's, he dives at ankles a lot, even though he's done that in the past, he's kind of missed a little bit this year. Um, the other thing that I've kind of noticed is that when he takes on blocks and run defense, he doesn't use his hands. And that's the one thing that kind of blows me away is that when he's run, when a, let's say a wide receiver is pulling to be the lead blocker across the formation. Like Cooper um, Cup is a perfect example. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In the Rams game. And you have like, I think it was Cooper Cup. Yep. Or I think it was Cooper Cup. It was. And Adams tries to level him with his shoulder. And, and then the Cooper running back kind of just runs right by. Yep. And it's like, if you get, to, if he gets his hands on him and then he sheds the block by using a good hand placement, he might've made that tackle or at least slowed him down. But instead the running back's long gone and he misses the tackle. And, it's those type of plays that I just don't get it because he has the fundamental technique and he showed that. And so I'm just trying to figure out what the hell happened. Like where, <laughs> where is he and where is he like mentally? And, and the Rams game is um, so for example, pro football focus gave him a 36 in that game. Oh mm. God. I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I thought he was the 36. He was bad. Oh, and, 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 and I, and the other games, like for example, the Vikings game, pro football focus gave him a 64. I disagree with that. I think he was probably in the seventies. Or seventy-five or something. I thought he was. I thought he was pretty solid. Uh, the Rams game was exceptionally bad. He just didn't look like his heart was in it, and that just kind of bothers me. Um, more generally speaking, and I and I, I I'm not. I'm going to hopefully chalk that up just like he had a bad week or something like that. Maybe he got dumped. Who knows? Uh, but the important thing is that he wasn't good in that game. Um, and so the thing is that his. The, my, my main takeaway when I was going through his film this year than looking at kind of his snap positions from this year to last year is that his snaps and where he's lined up in the roles he's played is so drastically different than what it was last season. He was, a completely, he was used completely differently last year than this year. For example, um, last year he was blitzed on 12% of the snaps. This year it's down to 5%. And so you don't, you don't get nine and a half sacks by, by blitzing 5% of the time. And that's the reason because last year they needed the pass rush help. And now they don't. So now they're dropping him into coverage. And so now everybody points to the coverage problems. And basically that comes down to we're watching a TV copy of a game where you can't see the other plays where he plays well on because no quarterback's going to throw in his direction when he's covering well. And you yeah. only see the bad plays or your plays where he potentially has um, a chance to stop it. 
And the thing is that when you're playing zone coverage and you give a few yards of cushion, which he does, um, a receiver is going to catch that underneath. For example, for example, Cooper Cup caught a five-yard hitch route. It was, I think it was a second and four. Uh, Jamal Adams was the cover three uh, weak hook curl zone, which basically means that if you look at the four zones on cover three, he's a second from the left. He's on the left side, near the left sideline, not all the way, but but the usual role that like a Cam Chancellor type role would play. He's playing that, which means that when he's in that role, he's covering the slot. And when a, when a wide receiver on the outside runs to the sideline, it means he's got one-on-one man-to-man duties with that slot receiver. So Cooper Cup runs this little five-yard hitch route, grabs it, gets the first down like that. He's easy. And Jamal Adams gave him like six yards, seven yards of cushion. Like it made no sense relative to the, the, the down and distance. It's like he respected Cooper Cup so much that he gave him too much cushion and, and he allowed him to get a quick first down and the, and, and the Rams just kept trolling through the, through the uh, through that drive and they kept going. And it's, it's little things like that where he can get exposed because I think he's one of those guys that he operates better when he's coming in at an angle, like when he's cutting a route or playing a crosser or something like that. He's amazing when, when he's asked to cut a crosser from that, like a too high position where he's, um, so what happens is the Seahawks this year, they've been playing a lot more cover two or too high, a too high safety defense where he splits half the field and they almost always line up Jamal Adams on the closed side, which means near, near the sideline. Uh, like if you're going to line up on the hashes, you have, uh, the closed side and the open side. And basically the closed side means you have less space, um, to the sideline as opposed to the open side, which you need uh, a larger range, which means you have someone like Quandry Diggs playing that, that side. For reference, so when Jamal Adams is in that close side, what happens is that he's peeking to the inside and and he's covering that slot that slot receiver on that side, and he's actually great in that role. And the thing is that he didn't do a lot of that last year. But the thing is that on the TV copy, you're not seeing that. You're not seeing any of the stuff he's doing back there from that too high spot, standing by himself, just chilling back there and waiting because no one's throwing it to him. Yeah. And there were so many plays where he's sitting there and he's waiting and he's, 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 he's looking to cut a crosser and teams have started not throwing crossers in his direction because he's there. And so it's, it's, there is an effect that Jamal Adams has that if you're a good cornerback, you shouldn't even be called your name throughout the entire game because you shouldn't be thrown at. And, and there is a level of that, that I've seen on film that Jamal Adams is not getting respected for the things that we can't see uh, that we can't see in a normal game. All we see is the um, uh, in the Vikings game, we saw a tight end running a drag route and he picked up like 12 yards on a first down. Mm-hmm. We all see that and we're like, oh, crap, he's, he's a terrible player. But no, I mean, that, that was one play out of the, the 40 others that he actually played pretty well. And and it's there are these times where he's been bad, like the Rams game. Again, he led a tight end to Tyler Higby. He led a touchdown to Tyler Higby, the tight end. And that was horrible. Like, let's 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 be honest. That was bad. But. Overall, I don't think he's he's playing as poorly as what other people are making out making it out to be. But as of this moment, I think if you were to criticize him, say he's not worth the contract, then I'm 100 percent on your team. I agree with that. So I, I want to. His contract does matter. I mean, because that's yep. that's what value does. It does. It factors into the equation. If let's say he was, I don't know, just on. Let's say they had drafted him or something like that. Just acquired him for whatever. He's a middle of the road on their salary cap. Like he's making 17 million a year, 
let's say it was seven. Mm. Is Jamal Adams playing well? Like, irregardless of the of the contract number, would you say he's playing well? At seven million dollars, I think he's playing okay for the seven million dollars. I I don't have any any problems with what he's doing. So this that's interesting because to hear that because the the when you said the unfair part, I think that's where our, on our last podcast I was like because the, the the catchphrase has become Jamal can't cover, and I yeah. think last podcast I said that's a little bit too definitive. Um, specifically where I think that people don't define what coverage is or really understand what, how many people, when you said weak hook curl, were like, oh, I got that. Yeah. Until Sam yeah. explained it. I think there's a there's a, a lot that needs to be explained on what the coverage goes into. But the thing that's interesting as well that you mentioned is that he's doing a lot more. And that could be interpreted two ways. It could be interpreted one way as, well, if you're going to pay him $70 million, you should do more than blitz him. I it like was almost to the point of Tyra Lockett when I, we were discussing, should he be used at punt return? And I was saying, no, just keep him at receiver. He's a valuable asset. And Mike, you were like, no, if he's dope at punt return, you put that man on punt return, you put him on kick return, right. you mm-hmm. use him because he is that good. So back to the point with Jamal Adams that you're getting to, continue. But then there's a flip side of that. If you move him around at the expense of the thing he is best at, yeah. mm-hmm. which is like you say, he's only blitzing, what you say, 5% of the time, 5% of the snaps. Yeah. He's an amazing so, blitzer. You're moving him away from the of the line of scrimmage and at the expense of of the thing he is best at. So I'll present this question to you then, Sam. How should Pete Carroll proceed here from week six on? Should he blitz him more? Maybe use him in coverage as much as he's doing? How would you change the usage, if at all, going forward? Yeah, man. That, I mean, that's um, a good question. Uh, I haven't really thought about it from that perspective. And um, I do, and at least from the blitzing perspective, uh, my entire head was on the uh, the, the cover the coverage standpoint when I was going through the, the video, um, but from a, a blitzing perspective, I can easily I I can make that argument that he should be blitzed more than if if that is what he's really good at being near the line of scrimmage and that there's nothing wrong with being a box safety and playing a lot more of that role. Uh, I think I think theoretically you can do a lot more of it. Um, the question is even though he's had his mistakes in coverage is the rest of the coverage unit worse, way worse off without him back there helping out. Mm. And so the thing is that they've been playing a lot more cover to man and cover to zone. And as I said before, that's two deep half safeties splitting the field where the first one cover to man is man coverage. And that's, that was that big Deshaun Jackson play um, that we all remember. And then uh, in the Rams game, and then in the, um, the 49ers game, the George Kittle hit, that was perfectly timed in the end zone uh, where we broke it up. That was cover two zone. And so the question I have is that if you take him into more near the line of scrimmage, that tenor, you know, that goes up to instead of 5%, it's now 10%. Mm-hmm. What are you going to play coverage wise on the back end? Are you going to play cover one man and, and kind of just risk and YOLO it with your, Ooh, your other quarterback? Jamal Adams has been on the side of Sidney Jones a lot of the time. And, and and even though that's gone horribly for everyone, it's it's still probably better. It could than, go a lot worse. Yeah, it could go a lot worse. And that's and that's the that's the the game you play, right? Is it yeah. where where is the team better off? And honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I'd <laughs> probably I'd probably say keep him in coverage then. Well, that's that. Well, that's the probably how Pete Carroll would present the question back to us because uh, we just yeah. asked him generally. Hey, Pete, how's Jamal playing? And it's like, well. That's open ended, like I asked you. You talked yeah, for ten yeah. minutes. That's a, you know, yeah. that's open ended. You got to be more specific with what you want to go with. Like, Chris, this has become a fascinating debate. With yeah, how Jamal's being used. It really is. And my question to you is, 
we've all watched film. There have been times where I think teams have made sure when they see Jamal, they locate him. Whereas last year, I feel teams weren't as sure. I mean, he played for the Jets, right? The Jets stunk. Jamal might have been putting up numbers there, but they suck. So Jamal might have been playing out of his mind his first year in Seattle. He plays out of his mind. Teams are like, oh, this guy is actually really good. He's on a good team. And I think maybe a year with film study, coaches seeing, oh, Jamal's in the box. Hey, let's put a 350-pound lineman on him. And I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, he had three sacks, which were he did a spin move on a defense on an offensive <laughs> tackle. He right. ran under or he just ran right by. This yeah. season, in the game that I've seen him go up against a lineman, he's over. He has been stuffed. Against tight ends, he's lost. There has been times, unfortunately, he faced Derrick Henry, and we all found out, oh, Derrick Henry is a pretty good pass protector. Mm. With that into play, I'm not making an excuse for Jamal, but do you think that that year of extra film on Jamal with this Seahawks defense kind of put him on front street like, oh, we really need to pay attention to him because clearly the rest of the defensive line, while they've improved, they haven't shown it. And if they have... Jamal wouldn't be in this predicament, right? Jamal would still be mm. on the line of scrimmage by making plays in the run game, but the sacks aren't there. Is that? Do you think that's a possibility that teams have realized, well, we're going to check down and make sure Jamal does not beat us. We don't want him making plays. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. Um, it it might it might even just be a like a, and I and I agree with you overall on the kind of the thought process because it because going with the film, you could argue that uh, more teams are understanding how the Seahawks blitz with a full year of film on him, and maybe it's not necessarily the fact that uh, they know his moves now or they know what he's trying to do. It's more like they know position wise uh, or the angle or the the gap that Jamal Adams is likely to hit depending on where he stands. And if you look at it from that lens, then, then you could argue, yeah, I mean, that's, as, I mean, that's probably leading to more, uh, less opportune moments this season than last season. Um, but again, I mean, he's only rushed the passer 20 times where last year at this point, it, that's like, it'd be at like 40 something or something like that. <laughs> he was getting after it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's just fascinating. And I'm curious to see how they use him against Steeler against the Steelers. And we'll get to that later, but back mm -hmm. to Jamal Adams, what is one thing you want to see from him moving forward, whether it be him being blitzed more or in coverage, kind of what you hinted at, but if you had to just like, I want to see this more, what would you say? Like, I got to see more of this from Jamal. God, the, uh, the question that, that, that that's a good question. And for me, uh, as I was kind of using my, like my checklist of 
when they traded for him, I looked at how they used him with the Jets and kind of all of his different roles. And then I looked at him this year and what he's been doing with the Seahawks. And there's a ton of similarities, right? Like he's playing uh, both teams. He played cover three hook roll zones and both teams. He played sideline, the sideline zone, like the, the side, like uh, when you compare it to he's on the boundary side, he's on the bottom sideline zone. He did that for both teams. Um, he's playing robber for both teams. He's playing the deep half safety for both teams. Um, he did that for the Jets. He did, the, did that for the Seahawks this year. I think the one difference that I've kind of mainly seen, um, the Seahawks don't play a ton of cover six. And that's uh, where you have quarters on one side. Um, it's, it's called quarter, quarter, half, which is basically you have two safeties playing quarter safeties, quarter coverage at the top. And then you have uh, one safety playing half the field. Uh, so basically it's a combo coverage of cover two and cover four. So that's why it's called cover six. It'd be two plus four. Um, the thing with the Jets is they ran the coverage a lot. They like that coverage, and they and they put Jamal Adams as that middle quarter, where basically it allowed him actually a better alleyway in order to cut passes and to cut wide receivers, and that actually got him even closer than what I described before with uh with cover two, where he's he's further further outside and somewhere near the hashes or outside of that, um, whereas as a quarter safety he'd be closer, he'd be inside the hash, um. And so the interesting thing there is that if he's in that that position on cover six, he would have a better opportunity to make make bigger hits, better opportunity to make plays on the ball. And in position wise, he would actually be in a better place overall uh, for especially, um, you know, if teams run like a three by one set, for example, cover six is great against that. So you could use that. Um, So that's something I would be interested to see if the Seahawks will run more of that in the future. Uh, my big, however, is you you, st- you still have to get rid of the miscommunications, and that's something I just I just can't trust the rest of this defense, and I have no idea what's going to solve that. I just that was, I just don't know. That was my next question. Do the Seahawks have the personnel to even? I mean, I clearly have the personnel, but are they going to be able to jail in that cover six? Because now yeah. your corners are going to be in a different position. They're already yeah. not playing a lot of cover three, something that Pete that's his bread and butter, and they're not getting that done and now you want to put in cover six would right should allow jamal to be free and do what he's really good at but now you're relying on sydney jones well they just <laughs> yeah, released yeah. trey flowers and you yeah. had dj reed there's a lot of question marks so that would definitely be interesting Pete should just call you up and say hey man come down <laughs> here let's talk football how can i maximize this defense to get them to get back where we were last season God, I'd be I'd be put in my place so fast. I'd, I'm afraid <laughs> of that phone call, man. <laughs> so let's talk about the reason why I think the Jamal Adams discussion is both frustrating or fascinating and frustrating is because I feel like if you start with the list of problems the Seahawks defense is having, Jamal is not high on the list for me. It's just kind of not. I just feel like there's, yeah. when you watch them, and Sam, you've watched them this year, and I've watched every game in person. I very rarely come away from the game other than perhaps the Rams where he was responsible directly for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking, man, 33 really blew that. Like, I just haven't done that a lot, of, a lot of games. And I feel like there's other things on the list there that they're struggling at. So, Sam, when you look at why this team is performing poorly for the second straight year, at least to start a season, what are you seeing and why the Seahawks are struggling defensively? Yeah, I mean, I agree with your takeaway. I don't I don't think, even though Jamal Adams isn't being the lights-out player in, in that if he was a lights-out player, the defense would be, would be better, right? Theoretically, he would elevate everyone. Um, that's not the biggest issue to me. Um, I would say the biggest issue is obviously the cornerbacks. 
outside of DJ Reed. I mean, there's not a single cornerback on this team that I'm looking at for a a long-term contract that I'm looking at for a long-term in the zip code. Like, I just I don't. <laughs> I, I just There's a reason why Trey Flowers was cut, and I feel bad saying that, but there's a reason. It's a business um, move, man. Yeah, it's business movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should see some of the bus I saw. Um <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Trey, if you're hearing this. Um the yeah, it's I I, I can't like and Cindy Jones, I, I would argue been playing even worse. And it's it's like I feel I feel bad saying that, but that's but that's objectively the issue here um right now. Uh Ryan Neal. Like what? What's up with him? Like, why isn't he playing more snaps? Is my question. That's a great. That's a great question. Because Pete is a. I don't know what Pete's thinking. I don't. I, I think the problem. I think is, I know what he's thinking. Was he? Was he thinking? Because he. Go he, ahead. He, he played well in twenty something snaps with the 49ers. Like what? What is he? And then didn't see the field against the Rams. <laughs> so right. he he has to. So he's not going to play nickel, right? So basically, either Ugo or Marquise is going to be on the field in their nickel package. It won't be Ryan right. yeah, for whatever reason. Probably just because he doesn't practice at nickel. So whatever. We'll, let's accept that one as, as fact, right? So. <laughs> His other his option there is to play uh, dime, but you're only going to do dime in an obvious passing situation. Yeah, right? You're not going to do dime on first and ten. Your other option, though, if you were to uh, like, all right, our line, our two linebackers on any given early down is Jamal Adams and Bobby, right? And then we're going to play Ryan at safety next to Quandre. Well, who came off the field there in this scenario? The answer is your first round pick from a Jordan year ago. Brooks, yeah. So I think that that's the you got to put to put Ryan on the field. You got to take someone off. And yep. to take, if you take someone off, you're basically asking either Ryan or Jamal to just now be a weak side linebacker and handle all those run fits. And you're asking two guys that are a little light in the butt That's to, how, to yeah. play the, play those run fits. Although Jamal and Jordan are probably not too far apart in weight. But you guys get my point. Yeah. I would If I was to ask Pete that, like we go to the bar, get him drunk. Hey, Pete, why don't you play Ryan more? I'm like, oh, yeah, round on me. I can't take Jordan Brooks off the field. And, it, you know, because otherwise you wouldn't even play Jordan. Like you think about it, to play Ryan yeah. on early downs, which is what I asked Pete. I said, "Could you play Ryan on early downs?" He was like, "I mean, I could," but in, in his head, you could see he was saying, "What do you want me to do about our first round pick from a year?" Yeah, and, and, never and, play him. And you need and you need the bigger body on, or theoretically, you need the bigger body on first downs too. If it, if it's more of a run situation, I guess. Yeah, I mean, imagine oh. some pulling guards coming in and Ryan <laughs> yeah, Neal coming in, you know, and they can't pull action, and, and DBs can't cut block line O linemen anymore. So yes, they go head yeah. up. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would be the 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 natural mm. issue there. So I mean, but I'm with you, Sam, because that's that's got to stand out, right? You watch the tape, like, hey, whoever's 26, yeah. if you don't know his name, like, hey, 26 is making plays. Keep him on the field. Yeah, and that's the and like the thing is that like this is one of those years that like last year this wasn't the case, but this year the defensive line is and like the edge rushers are actually solid. Like it's not even like uh, it's not even like a like a oh they're okay right now like. There's actually they're actually making some plays like Al Woods, for example, Puna Ford, like they're they're actually making good, good plays. And, and Daryl Taylor's crushing it, too. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's we're actually seeing some pressure from them. Um, yeah. And, and and maybe maybe that's simple as why, you know, like Jamal Adams, you're not going to you need him in coverage duties, even though he's slightly worse. And so you have to pull him back and, so and push him back there because you can get pressure elsewhere and you need him. You need him to fix something, even though he's not as good at coverage. This is the interesting thing, too, that like now that I've had some more games to think about, and I'm sure Sam, the film bears this out. So after the Vikings game, story time mm-hmm. with Mike here, we go. Trey Flowers, he had that basically explosive press conference with us. It was only like me, Greg Bell, Bob Condota, and like Brady Henderson, very small group of people he spoke to after the Vikings game. The quotes got out there. One of the things that I don't think many of us wrote was that Trey specifically said one thing that really was going wrong. He said, I don't know. 
I need to figure out how to tackle those digs and those in routes. He said, either I got to drive on them or something. It's very rare that someone goes into schematic details that way. And I ran that quote, but it wasn't something that got blown up. The Sherman quote did more than anything. He said, I got to tackle these dig routes or these in routes or something. Either somebody's going to fix it or I'll fix it. Like he's ID a specific thing that was going wrong that he either didn't trust the scheme on or didn't understand the scheme on. And so he gets benched after that, right? And then Sidney Jones, yeah. like you said, uh, Sam, Sidney came in and wasn't exactly lighting it up. But one thing that I noticed specifically on the blown coverage to Debo Samuel, mm. what type of route does Sidney chase that leaves did no, uh, yeah, Debo open? Yeah. It was a dig route. He yeah. chased the same route that Trey's like, maybe I should drive on that. And what did it do? It led to a touchdown. touchdown. And they would blame Jamal. <laughs> right. And then, Well, yeah, independent of the Jamal part. Okay, so then week five. What do the Rams kill the Seahawks on? A bunch of dig routes with Robert Woods. Crossers and dig. That's yeah. all it was. It, it was like a bunch of was it, it was like a dagger concept. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. so what they did, but they, they sent Cooper underneath mm-hmm. and they're like, Well, we know what's gonna happen here. He's just gonna take it. Oh, <laughs> here comes Robert Woods, wide open, and they ran it the whole entire game. Right. The homie Ted yeah. Wynn, he showcased it on Twitter. And he had an article shout out to Ted yes. Ted Wynn on it. So it feels like um and I don't even know if I have a question for Sam here, but and like when you when you kind of hinted at like Sydney Sydney came and replaced Trey and even been much better, it does feel like we owe kind of Trey an apology, even though he wasn't like lighting it up. The thing that he said was a problem, they still haven't it's fixed, still even issue. by eliminating yeah. him. Like they you still know the, can't come. You know what the hilarious that. part is that when I was thinking about one of the the big plays that Trey Flowers let, it was a dig route. I was like, yeah. I was just thinking about it. It was against the Vikings, and it was it was like a, a trips bunch they were on the man, left, I believe. Yeah, and and he was supposed. To, yeah, it was like what what I thought was probably some form of, I don't know if he was in man coverage or if it was a. It was um, weird though. I don't know that it was like it was like a cover three, um, like zone dog type play where he takes the outside release and then he's supposed to. Maybe it was just banjo. I'm not really sure. Um, but you have Jamal Adams carrying that seam, the, the, the like yep. the, the seam across, and then you have a wide open dig, and that was, <laughs> that was the thing about. And you're like, I was hey, like, I was, I was like what, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah. that's you. It comes to a point where I was telling Mike, I said, when you're in your zone and guys run to your zone, you stay with them. You don't just leave them, especially if you look around and you see the play is unfolding. Everyone else is doing the same thing. You just take that guy. It's kind of like you manned up on him. You just eliminate that. Trey didn't realize that. Trey was like, well, everyone's doing that, but my guy runs across me. I should have help somewhere. Oh, I don't have help? I don't think he realized. And that goes back to communication, execution. They called a play. He probably wasn't 100% sure on that play. It worked out in their favor. Everybody had their parts covered. Quandre's on the middle, on the left side. I think it's on Robert Woods. Or not Robert Woods. We're talking about the Vikings game. So you have Adam Thielen, and then you mm-hmm. have Justin Jefferson, who comes up, runs across, dig route, and over the middle. And you're wondering, okay, if you pause that, if you freeze frame it, you see everyone's – it looks like it's man. And to your point, it might have been covered three, and they just kind of zoned up and basically took that man except for Trey. That's yeah. what you, those, and that was a problem more than once. It was, it wasn't just, and that Mike, you hinted at that in the post game talking to him, someone's going to fix it or I'll fix it. And ultimately I knew what was going to happen. I'm like, well, the Seahawks are definitely going to fix it. They're not going to keep putting you out there if you don't know what's going on. And then to your point, well, they put Sidney Jones out there and it's still an issue. Yeah. Now I'm wondering, well, who else can, what else can they do? And then Sidney Jones, point. they're, they're having issues with, with him too, or, um yeah it's passing off cover three routes and that's it's, what it is thank you that's that's what i was looking for yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it's and, and these weren't even dig routes they were um 
I think it was against the Rams, and I need to relook at. I think it was against the Rams, and it was uh, you have your slot tight end that is running basically a fade, and then underneath that, on the a little bit further outside, you have like a little whip route. So yep. basically, he, he goes outside, then he comes back inside, and Sidney Jones is sitting there confused. He doesn't he doesn't know if he should carry the fade. Like he starts stepping back, and he sees Jamal Adams like perfectly on his hip. Like yeah. oh god, there's someone there, and then he looks over, and the dude catches the ball. And I think it was I think it was Robert Woods. And he gets out of the first down. Yeah, I know like, exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so that's where the things get really, really tricky with these guys. I'm glad I'm glad Sam seen some of the same stuff like because I, I I watch film and then I'm like, okay, am I, am I seeing the right thing? But I thought that was really interesting with Trey. It's like the thing that he said, and it wasn't just Sydney, by the way, too. I'm mean, I'm sure Sam yeah. saw this too. Like they're running that stuff on the DJ Reed and Ugo side. There's one where Robert Woods catches a 20 yard dig. And the first thing DJ does is tackle him and then get up and yells at Ugo. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it's yeah. not, it's not it's just, it's clearly, a, it's a team everybody. Issue. Everybody is having the these, these same issues. So if there is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If they're like Pete's always optimistic, right? He's always thinking, we're going to turn this thing around. If there was a reason that it's going to turn around like it did last year, Sam, is there anything that you've seen? Like, well, if, if this thing, if blank gets better, I think the defense has a shot at turning this around. Man, I'm pessimistic, so I'm probably <laughs> not. Uh, I don't think there's if, – if if Jamal Adams turns into uh, an elite player randomly, like out of nowhere from back where he was, if 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 we see the same thing from Quandry Diggs, um, if both of them turn into like these star safeties that – I think they have the, – they're, they're plenty capable of being like – and they just perform at that level. Um, I think that will have the, the best net impact on the team because those those two will, will help make up – for a lot of the other issues, especially when you can do something like something as simple as cover two man, where you can just play the bracket over top, you know, hope for the best for the underneath <laughs> players and, and and they can make it up. And that's, and me, maybe that's, maybe that's what they need. And um, beyond that, I'm, I'm at a loss because there's way too many mess ups, man. There's just, there's, yeah. there's, there's way too much. Maybe Daryl Terrell need, needs eight sacks a game. I don't know. Like, there's, 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 there's way too much problems. And it, it was interesting. I had this. Um, I was on um, a podcast for the Washington football team, and they're they're literally having the same problem where their coverages get blown left and right, but their defensive line is solid. Mm. And, and and the host asked me, he was like, uh, "How much blame does Jack Del Rio have, which is the defensive coordinator?" Um, so like in this case, it'd be Ken Norton for us. Um, and I was like, "Shoot, man, <laughs> I think everyone's at fault. <laughs> like literally everyone. I don't know." <laughs> Mike brought up a fascinating point, I think maybe last week or two weeks ago. And he was talking about the Ravens and what their defense does. They just blitz the hell out of you. Like, mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to sit in coverage and guard you. So 
screw it. Damn all that. We're sending the free. We're sending everybody. We're sending seven every time. We're just going to pray and hope that you don't get it off. And if you do, our DBs might be in position to make a play. Mm -hmm. Would you go as far as saying, you know what, to hell with it? Mike has a pretty good point. I think Bobby, I think the D-line, I think Jordan Brooks, I think they can get to the quarterback. Would you be okay? Would you be willing to say, you know what, let's just try that against Ben Roethlisberger and just blitz the hell out of him and see if that maybe changes the dynamic of this defense and what we're seeing? Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's. I mean, it's a good, it's a fair argument because because right now, and I'm looking it up. Um, so you saw me typing. That's what I was doing. And the Seahawks have blitzed 23 percent of their snaps this year. Uh, for example, Tampa Bay, Carolina, those are the blitzers. Uh, 40 percent and 35 percent respectively. Uh, Baltimore's at 33, so that like they're they're up they're up there for sure. So the question is, I guess, if if they blitz significantly more and they just say YOLO and just blitz yeah. five, six guys and just go yeah. man to man and, and hope for the best. Um, man, I, <laughs> at this point it can't hurt. Like it's, 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 you're gonna call, your, if you're going to, you're, you're going to have your busted coverage anyways. It's, you, you might as, you might as well make them worth it. Right. You might as well hit hope, somebody. <laughs> your hope is that maybe the quarterback flinches and throws a bad pass and Oh, DJ yeah. reach there. Oh, Sydney Jones with the pick. Like those are the things you are. The thing hoping. is like, the thing with, with big Ben is, is, He's good at the underneath stuff, though. Like that's that's what I worry about is he's good with the hot routes, and well, and this is this is yeah. the game where where Juju somehow has a thousand yards. Like it's it's Juju's one hurt. of those games where he's going to catch those underneath passes if he's still is, is he still alive? Like he's, he's still on, there. He's on IR. He's done. Oh, he's on he, IR. Oh, he yeah. won't have a thousand yards then. He will not. <laughs> Maybe Deontay Jackson. I don't know. Then Deontay Johnson. Yeah, and he'll have a lot. <laughs> but it's gonna be one of those games where whoever whoever's having the bad season, he, he's going to come on hot, and this is it. Oh, okay. Well, we'll figure it out, right? Well, I mean, that's, I think, well, we, we'll move on to the offense now, but I do think the discussion we just had is very important when you're trying to, like, it's not, it's off, defense is very hard to just, like, all right, it's like, it's this guy. Or it's yeah. even this coach. Like, we just There's talked no about 30, fix with defense. Yeah, we just talked for 30 minutes. It was like, none of us are concluding, get rid of Ken Norton. I mean, oh, no, I don't know. I mean, you can do it, but how much is that solved? What does it do? What does it change? Yeah, like, I it, don't. It literally, it starts with Pete. And goes to Ken, and then players need to execute. If players don't execute, yeah, well, sure, you can say fire him, but okay, what are you doing now? You fired the guy that pl calls the plays, and the guy's still on executing. Unless you're I telling me, oh, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I agree with you. Like I, I, I would like to give the benefit of the doubt to the coaches. And the hmm. thing is that Pete has had successful defense in the past, but also his his players have been a lot better in yeah. the past. And so, so maybe it's a simple. His coaching style just lends itself to. You know, slightly elevating bad players and making elite players great, and I, I don't know. We talked about know. that maybe two years ago. We said maybe it's time for Pete to realize that this is not the Legion of Boom, and you have to change it. You have to cork or change it and make certain adjustments to the players you have now. You don't have Richard Sherman. You don't have Cam Chancellor. You don't have another corner that, I mean, Jeremy Lane, uh, uh, Byron Maxwell, all these guys that okay, they fit well within that scheme. It's it's a new era. It's a new age. Teams are passing more. The run game is still relevant, but you go up against the Chiefs, they're going to throw for 5,000 yards against you. You have to be able to adjust with the times. And I don't know if Pete is willing to make that change yet. We, we are seeing more cover, too, but that's just because they can't cover nobody. <laughs> yeah, That's what cover, too, is. We, hey, we can't really cover, so we're just going to basically shut down everything and try to make you throw to the numbers. We don't want you throwing over the field, over the middle because – you're going to cook us. So we're going to drop our middle linebacker deep and hope that it works out. That's why they're playing cover two. If they were playing cover three, this would be, quote, unquote, a pretty good defense, and they would be doing – Bobby said in this presser earlier on Wednesday, 
we just play cover three because we're better than you. That's what it comes down to. They're not their mm-hmm. defense doesn't strike that into a Rams offense, yeah. a Vikings offense. They're like, do you see what you? Okay, yeah, we're we're definitely throwing the ball today. Well, the other thing is too. There's no coverage for there's no perfect coverage for guys who can't cover. You know yeah. I mean? or, yeah. or for a, or a coverage team that needs to cover for three seconds on average, <laughs> Tough. or three point three or whatever, which is an eternity. And then, oh my goodness. Yeah. So like, there's that's why I'm not. I don't default to like get rid of Ken. I, I do get the arguments. Like he's been the coordinator, and the defense has never been good. Like I mean, end of the day, you are the defensive coordinator. Yeah. But like, there is only coordinate so, the defense, right? Man. Yeah. I mean, and they also the defense has a bunch of busts. So Sam seeing like guys yelling at each other, guys just wide the hell open. You know, like yeah. eventually that falls on someone. Someone yeah. gets the axe at that point. But. Uh, like someone's getting fired i just don't know who it's going to be right now. right because yeah. it's hard to id who is that is it a position coach is it ken is it yeah. you know like what is it is it a pete thing it's very it's very difficult like i said there's no coverage for like give me give me seven dudes who can't cover i'm not going to magically just have some yeah. thing that makes them all daryl Revis. when you and, get when you get burned on man coverage you can't blame a coach but at oh, the same man. point it's like if there's a miscommunication <laughs> at the same time then yeah sure why not? And, then, and then even then the miscommunication is like okay did we just tell him to play and he just blanked? You know, like yeah. who who knows? Like it, there's been there's been times where it's like, I you're the only person player X doing the wrong thing. Is that a coaching thing or were you just not listening? You know, like <laughs> you aren't listening. I'm you, sorry. Were you on your phone in the team meeting and you didn't see that when we do this, this is what we call you texting. Next thing you know, you on the field and your guy scores a touchdown. Is it that? Or is it the coach? Who who knows? That's why I don't necessarily default to the coach. And this is probably one of those situations where, and I promise we'll get to the offense. It's one of those situations where not having an open locker room to talk to guys and even get some coaches really hurts us because we're just we do a lot of guessing and we have to fill in our own blanks. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Jamal Adams gets blamed for everything. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, bring it. But bring yeah, it let's to Jamal. Yeah, we'll get to the offense because that I think is doing well. And I know we talked to you earlier in the summer about, or maybe the spring, we talked about what Shane is going to bring to this offense. Unfortunately, D. Eskridge hasn't been the pivotal guy we thought he would be because he got banged up. But what? With what you've seen through five games, unfortunately, Russ goes down. How solid has Shane been able to run this offense? He's been doing a lot of movement at the old line. You see some jet sweeps. I mean, hell, Penny Hart got a jet sweep for like 19 yards. Was it against the Rams, I think? Or mm-hmm. needless to say, I think the offense is doing well. I want to hear your thoughts, Sam, on how you've seen the offense compared to what we saw last season. Yeah. Um, very interesting question because – <clears throat> for me, I feel like from a play calling perspective, the the run game, for instance, it's it's pretty much exactly what I said in my video where I see a lot of wide zone, um, which is most people call it outside zone, but it's, it's technically wide zone. Um, you have mid zone, um, which ends up being a lot of the touchdown runs. And that ends up being um, if you remember, we ran the ball twice to try to pick up the first down it was like third and two, then fourth and two. I think we ran mid zone twice on the same, like the back to back, basically, um, which is uh, basically it's, it's similar to like an inside zone, except for it's more horizontal um, and the footwork's more horizontal. And you're trying to push out your edge defenders so you can make your cut back inside as opposed to driving them downfield. Um, so I've seen a lot of that from the running game. And I think uh, without having Chris Carson um, mm. recently, I think and I, th- I, th- I don't think Alex Collins has been bad or anything like that it's just it's not going to be obviously as dynamic or as as good as what it could be without with having like a chris carson uh the other thing that kind of has kind of confused me um 
is the level of uh, when they use a, when they use a lot of play action and jet sweeps, and they use that the, either the orbit motion or just like the straight jet motions across. Um, they haven't done that. They they kind of rotate in terms of the games they've been using that on. Like the first game against the Colts, it was everywhere. Yeah. Then in the game against in play action it was everywhere, and then against the Titans the next week, it was like a standard shotgun Brian Schottenheimer offense. And I was kind of confused on like why the sudden shift. Um, when I think that could have worked still, um, I think from a play calling perspective, um, I think generally Waldron is okay. Um, I think he's generally fine, but the, and the question that comes down to is, um, what I've seen as a recent trend is using tempo more or less to set up third and shorts and fourth and shorts and stuff like that. Uh, the chargers love it. If you watch, if you ever watch the chargers, what they'll do is, uh, they'll, they'll run a play on second on second down, get them to like a third and one. And then they're going to do a quick, a quick lineup. And they're going to do a quick little out route to Keenan Allen or something like that, where he picks up the first down. And it's like, Oh, that was the easiest first down in my entire life. And it's, they kept, they keep doing, they keep using tempo and that variety, um, in order to catch a defense kind of in a precarious position. And we've seen that a little bit. We've seen that more this season than we have under under Brian Schottenheimer, and that's a plus to me. It's a huge plus to me, and I and I like it when uh, Russell Wilson gets to the line and he's got was it thirty seconds left on the clock, and he's sitting there, he's he's making his audibles, and then and then he finally makes his decision, and he and he snaps it with about six seconds left. I absolutely love that because it gives them time to adjust the play, and I feel like every single one of those times they've done that, it's been a successful play. Uh, and 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 to me, it, it comes down to uh, kind of that level of coordination between uh, like a Shane Waldron and Russell Wilson, and how um, and how they're kind of relaying the plays back and forth. If it's as simple as Shane Waldron's giving them all the commands and pulling a, like the Jared Goff, where he's kind of whispering in his ear like what you should be looking for. Um, I don't know if you if you guys have any insight on that. Uh, I'm not sure if I've heard anything yet. Shane's done a good job of making sure we know nothing. Yeah, uh, but he's also. I mean, to be fair, like, we haven't heard anything about Shane yet. <laughs> I think, yeah, it will. His his, we took. I think some of us. I did not. But some of us took Brian Schottenheimer for granted on Thursday afternoons. Brian Schottenheimer was so good at explaining what he was thinking, why our players playing well, why he mm -hmm. called this, the history behind how he came to this philosophy. He was so good, and maybe Shane will get there. This is Shane's first time, but Shane is very yeah. much. He's very matter of fact. It's like like I think someone asked, "Hey Shane." Do you talk to Russ all the way up until the thing? Because Russ's mic or thing shuts off. And it's, it shuts off. Um, is it 15 seconds? It's either 12 or 15 seconds left. Yeah, yeah. It shuts off. And I think someone asked, do you talk to him right up until then? Or how does that go? Um, and he's like, ah, it depends. Which is probably the truth. Yeah, but yeah. It, 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 it doesn't. What am I supposed to do with that, Shane? It doesn't answer like, the question. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't like, give you enough fodder to, to, to talk about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, we're trying. We are trying on Thursday. We'll yeah. try. This podcast comes out on Thursday. I will make sure uh, on Thursday, even though I won't come in this show, I will ask Shane uh, whatever we need to figure out about his communication <laughs> with Russ. Because it does matter. Because Russ has proven to be able to call his own damn place. Do whatever he to wants. Be honest. He's be called successful. him in Carolina and Miami. Uh, I think he called him at home once before, and he's led touchdown yeah. drives. Like, like, like his mic went out, and he just went, he just went for it. I, I mean, that was yeah. amazing. I just, just, just let him, just let him call the plays sometimes. Yeah, his mic went out in Miami, and he ran like a two minute drill for a touchdown before the end of the first half, and it was just like, hmm, why does this keep? Why does the offense play well when Russ is going? Yeah. The but, yeah. it goes out every time, you know. Yeah, maybe Russ yeah. just switches his helmet on the sideline because I mean, Shane 
Shane's on the on the ground, so maybe that won't work. Shotty was up in the box, so after his after Mike uh, Russ's mic went off one time, Shotty was like, "I'm gonna go get a cookie." Like I can't talk to Russ, so yeah, <laughs> he'll figure it out. And then they scored a touchdown. It's like, huh? Maybe they don't need me. You yeah, know? maybe it's yeah. You give you give him the keys, and he figures it out from there. But yeah, we have we're we're, we're struggling there to figure out the intricacies of how their communication yeah. works. What I'm what I'm kind of interested in, and see if you've noticed this as well. Has this has has Shane done a good job on some of the things that people wanted to see from Russ? Was like the short, the intermediate stuff, run some more quick game, you know, attack the middle of the field more. Are you seeing any of that from what Shane's tried to bring to this offense through five games? Yeah. So um that level, I, I'll be completely blunt here and say I haven't studied it that much. Um I think from the general standpoint is that they have mixed in a fair bit of quick game in terms of uh, the stick concept, for example, I know yeah. uh, we kind of mentioned that in passing, but uh, where you have an inside receiver running a stick route, uh, which is like, I think it's five or six yards and they kind of push out and then outside of them, it's usually a quick out route. They've run that play a bunch. Um, I think they don't run as much pure interior slants as what he used in the past. Like when I look back at, the uh, Jared Goff days and um, like back when he was with uh, Sean McVay, I saw more slants and more of those interior type throws. Um, and I didn't, I don't see that as frequently. And, and maybe I just need to go back and rewatch him to see if, uh, see if I can find them. Um, but for example, like uh, DK Metcalf and his touchdown against Jalen Ramsey. And that was a skinny post. And that was a, a nice interior breaking route, but it's not the quick, you know, two-step go post that or two-step go slant. That was a, was it a five, six yard stem and then he breaks. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the one takeaway is that, so I think Russell Wilson overall is playing very well. I think there are some very, I think it's because the rest of the offense and offensive line is elevated, is actually helping him a lot more than in previous years. And, and I think that's something that, uh, for example, watch Russ anytime um, his first or second read is not immediately open. And, and he starts trying to figure out what to do in the pocket, he looks skittish. Sometimes he looks very, very skittish, and it terrifies me. And 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 it's it's one of those things that he he isn't used to having this good of an offensive line or an offensive line that can actually protect for once. And and that's the amazing thing is that even when he stopped, kind of looked a little bit skittish, he'd then be like, oh, I still have another three, you know, another second to throw it, and then he'll make a good throw. Yeah. And it's I've seen that at least once or twice where I was like. Like, if you just continue with your progressions, you'd be fine um, on some of these plays. Uh, and I, th so I think that pocket awareness element is one thing that I'll never use the phrase "someone's like broken" or something like that. I, ju I just, right. I, like, and I, 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 I hate when, like, when uh, people said, like, with Sam Darnold, like, is he gonna be broken when you know he saw the ghost or whatever and all the those plays? Uh, like, I'll never say that about Russell Wilson because he's obviously better than that. Um, it's one of those things where I think it does have an effect on you and how you view, um, how you feel your, you view your line of scrimmage and what you're used to. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's a matter of he's a one, two run type quarterback or anything like that. I just think he's not used to having better protection than he has in the past. Um, and that's with, you know, uh, Brandon shell is actually playing extremely well. Yeah. Um, that's Dwayne Brown is, is he's. He's not, he, he hasn't been as amazing this year as he was in the past, but he, he's still a solid player. Gabe Jackson's been pretty good too, for the most part. Um, even his tight ends haven't, haven't been terrible at pass blocking. 
Uh, even his running backs haven't been terrible at pass blocking. It's it's honestly, you only see really the center getting crushed every single game. Um, and that's Kyle Fuller. And, you know, like, and I just, I wish we saw more Ethan Posick before he went down and he went down early. Uh, it's, I think it's kind of, to me, I think that's kind of the most surprising part is that uh, you think of it like when you're playing Madden, right? Like you, like, oh, I finally have a good offensive line. I can now sit here and play the progressions. I can do all these things. But you don't realize the effects of years of like, <laughs> years of torture you have <laughs> by getting, uh, you know, chased down by Aaron, Aaron Donald all the time. Yeah, um, I mean, if, if Aaron Donald's hitting you constantly, that's going to do something to you. I don't care yeah, who you are. Freak you out. I mean, it's, it's it's only reasonable. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot. I do practice, it up. practice with knives. Yeah, it's, yeah. And so, and so my other question yeah. was uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in terms of kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they both seem very boom or bust in their week-by-week week pro- like production. Uh, and that was something that uh, – it's actually, I think this scheme in this offense is actually working pretty well overall for them in that standpoint, in terms of the crosses, the digs, in terms of the the deep overs, because that fits both of their skill sets actually very, very well, especially Tyler Lockett. And I think overall, I like what I've seen. I think we're going to need to see uh, just more consistency. And it just sucks that Russell Wilson got injured because like, I want to see more of what, he can do as he progresses in the offense um, instead. And and what's fascinating is that you look at uh, Geno Smith when he came in, he actually played pretty well. And what's interesting about that is that I don't think he had the, uh, like the preconceived notion of like his offensive line being so terrible for so long. And he just seemed to sit there, trust it, step forward and make a throw. And that's all he was really asked to do. And he did it. And, and granted the team did drop uh, more coverage deep and they weren't nearly as aggressive. Uh, when he was on the field versus Russell Wilson, because the Rams pretty much had the game done by then. But it was one of those things that the reason why he was playing better was because he just kind of played the position as if he had no memory for it, as opposed to what we've seen kind of in the beginning stages from Russell Wilson, even though objectively Russell Wilson is still, so he's still playing really well overall. Yeah. The, the G- Gino, when I went back and watched him, I think I watched him like Monday. I had to take the weekend off because my, fo- my brain melted from too <laughs> much football. Um, but like you watch the Will Disley throw he had, not the first one where he scrambles, the one where he just sits there, mm-hmm. wakes, lets Will uncover in the middle of the field. Like that is one of the, like you said, he's playing like he's never been hit by Aaron Donald because yeah. he sat there for what felt like an eternity. It's all four and, seconds because you have Tyler Lockett broke open. Tyler Lockett was wide open in the beginning, and that's where the ball is supposed to go. And then Will Disley spins and gets open. Yeah, and then that, like, Gino sits there and waits for that to happen. And you know, like you said, maybe you should have just got rid of it initially. But, yeah, to be to behave that way does seem like it's like you need, like, fresh, a fresh brain. Like, oh, yeah. I trust these guys. I trust my tackles. I trust my center and all that. So with that said, um, here's my theory, Sam. Let me know if I'm crazy here. I feel like because hmm, – how do I want to word this? I feel like Sean McVay – has done a really good job, and you could make this case with Kyle Shanahan too. They've done a really good job with quarterbacks who need that that hand holding a little bit, maybe a little bit more than like the elite guys. You know, they they're not like need training wheels fully, but like Jared Goff needed to be. Hey man, when you hike it, throw it here. All right, don't think about yeah. nothing else. Throw it here, and even Kirk was a little better than that, but Kirk to some extent. Um, you could even go that far with Matt Ryan his Super Bowl year. Like they made it really easy on guys. Well, they made QB friendly offenses. Hmm. My theory is. 
it worked so well with Geno initially because he is a guy. He's not a Russ or Mahomes, Rogers. He is one of those guys who needs a QB friendly offense. So I'm trying to paint some optimism here. My theory is because that's how that's the tree that Shane comes from. He's actually in a good position to help Gino, and Gino is actually in a good position to succeed because the offense is kind of built around. It's ideally built for like you don't have to be Superman; just do what the play says, yeah, and, and you'll perform. And it, I know you said you're a pessimist. Can I sell some optimism that way at least? Thinking about it that way, I I, I think if um if 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 I'm pessimistic on the defense, I'm more optimistic on the offense. I'll say that. There That's we fair. go. Yeah, there we go, and Chris. I, we're almost an hour in, but we got some optimism. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I sound like the negative person. No, uh, I think I, uh, I, I think I can see that. I, I think I can honestly see that because, you know, like if you look back through Gino's plays, it, it, it was none. It wasn't bad. Like it wasn't. Oh. I didn't. I didn't look at that and be like, oh, damn it, we have Gino. You know, like it, it was. It was. It was actually pretty solid football and. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's him sitting on the bench for so long and he's like he's ready for his opportunity and you know he's in that qb friendly offense which i agree with and it's um and, and maybe shane's just gonna make the game plan easy for him and that's just, and then it's just up to him to execute and gino gino i think he he has the ability to execute and, and maybe he just has needed that throughout his entire career instead of saying all right break down this entire field and all these progressions and do this all by yourself whereas maybe he can just have someone whisper in his ear and just say all right, you're looking for this first, then this first, and then this. Would you consider making it easier by running the ball more and quicker throws? Because what we saw against the Rams, he was throwing it everywhere. Hell, the interception mm. on what should have been a catch, but Tyler got tripped up, that was also a pretty good throw. Mike and I were talking off wax. Tyler probably makes that catch there if he doesn't trip. With that being said, how would you like to see the offensive game plan against the Steelers on the Sunday night football matchup. Yeah, I'm hope I'm hoping we see some play action. I'm hoping to be a decent amount of play action because I don't think we saw a lot of that with when Gino is in because they're already down. I think they're running yeah. a lot more shotgun. So I'm hoping we see a lot more base level play action like that. Um, I think what's going to happen is we're going to see more running plays, and I don't know if that's because he's trying to make it easy or if it's Pete Carroll, you know, Pete whispering in his ear. You got to make it easy for him, and you know, like maybe that's where that decision will kind of go to. Yeah. Um, I like from a, a play calling standpoint, uh, <clears throat> what you can do is you can do a lot of play action where you see half the field, and you can so it's a flood concept. For example, it's a three level flood where you have a a deep route going like a go route. You then have a deep over going to your other side, and then you have a little flat route where you start top, you then go to the middle, then you go to the bottom. Um, and that kind of turns into your read structure where you still have the, the the dangerous effects of seeing Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf going, you know, going deep down the field while you still have your outlet and you can still have a structure. Um, and those plays are, are common. Every single playbook has it. Um, so you can do stuff like that where um, it takes the full read progression away from it. Um, I know a lot of teams like the McVeighs of the world and, uh, you know, like Kyle Shanahan's and, and the you know, the Jay Gruden's um, and stuff like that, what they'll do is they'll do uh, they'll do sides, right? They'll say one side is my cover one side and my other side is my cover two side. So then you'll pick your side before the snap and then you'll execute that. Um, but anytime you, you do that and it, it allows an opportunity for a defense to disguise a coverage, and that'd be my worry is that if I'm going to play Geno, I'm just going to disguise some coverages and then game over, I win. 
Mm. Uh, so I feel like I feel like we might see more beast level play action type plays and and those type of flood concepts and those type of quick short games, uh, short game plays just because it might it might help Gino and I I, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, even then, those like the, those, those half reads and those, you know, reading from high to low. I mean, that's a lot of what they do at Russ already. Yeah. I mean, Russ's favorite, Russ's favorite stuff is that deep play action <laughs> where he's got, you know, he's, DK he's reading, running down, reading half the yeah. field, like you said, DK <laughs> running and Tyler running. Like they're, it's 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 a QB friendly offense with Russ. I mean, yeah. Russ, like you said, Russ's numbers were good <laughs> before yeah. he ran into Aaron Donald's hand and his finger started doing the, you know, yeah, I mean that was, oh, that was yeah, it was gross. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I'm I'm a little optimistic about what I mean. I don't think I'm going as crazy as some people in my Twitter timeline telling me that like just because Geno's taller and throws over the middle of the field, he's better than Russ. Like, wow, I mean, that's a hot take. No, there's some yeah, t- that's a, hot a take. bad take. Go <laughs> read. And that's not hyperbole. Go to my mentions starting Thursday to Thursday. It anything I tweet about Gino, they're like, oh wow, he can see middle of the field. He's tall. Oh, amazing. And it's just like, guys, if Gino was secretly better than Russ, I think he'd be figure, starting. We'd have figured that out by now, guys. Like it's not this not this yeah. big 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 old secret here. I do think being taller and seeing over the middle of the field is like one like advantage. It's but relevant. Like, Russ is still. Yeah, future it, Hall of Famer. It helps, but it's it's not the only thing. Right. Yes. It's, there's ways around that. But and, Sam, and we, maybe it maybe it helps a little bit to see over the middle of the field to get some of those plays. But I mean, we don't we don't need those. We don't need all those plays. Right? Exactly. Right. I mean, <laughs> and then that takes I mean, Russ is just so I don't I mean, oh my God, it's so frustrating. I just had to ignore those. those yeah, those, I don't blame people. you. It's 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 frustrating. Sam, we 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 had you on this week. A, because we love your insight, and yes. uh, B, because we have a guest preview the week. We would have had Mark Cabali, who covers the Steelers, and we would have ended the show with Mark making a pick. You are not Mark, but we would still mm-hmm. would like you to make a pick for us. We don't have to do over-under like we usually do, but we would like... A pick, though. Yeah, we would like to hear who do you think is going to win the game Sunday night. The Seahawks are two-and-a-half-point underdogs, I want to say. Who Let's you, just double-check. Yeah, we're, we're, it's a five-point now. No uh, way in hell. Steelers are are minus five. Makes sense. No Russ. I don't blame them. What do you mean makes sense? The Seahawks opened as favorites. Well, they had Russ. Mm. They opened it early. It's it's open. Oh yeah, I guess that's that's probably fair. They had Russ when it was opened up. I remember that vividly. Russ is worth six and a half points. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say he's worth six. Yeah. <laughs> Russ is. That is. I mean, I've never had to think about it because they. Well, I don't blame Russ. you, but yeah, Russ. When Russ was when Russ was playing, it was at. Two and Seahawks minus two and a half. After the injury, and I'm, I don't know, maybe Tuesday, maybe Monday, whatever it may have been. I don't know how early it was, but I do remember it changed drastically, and it was like Steelers favorited at minus four, and now it's at four and a half, five, like Sam just said. Wow, that's a swing. Yeah. On, Goodbye, that, Russ. Wow, that is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Gino. Yeah, we'll take the Steelers. Wow, Vegas has no respect for Gino. Smith. Should they? <laughs> he hasn't played in like four years i don't didn't, know it's in the steelers too which is the uh you know it's in their stadium and yeah but they're not very good their defense their is o- okay their old line have, is not good the old line's actually okay i was all sorry i was all over pff ah, i'm i don't know I'm, I'm not saying it's accurate but not to get too off topic here yeah, sorry mean, sam P- you have a no. prediction my apology yeah okay we don't have to get into the pff <laughs> I thing i have my with, own uh, beef with that outsiders yeah. to figure out you know like their rankings and everything and I like football yeah. outsiders a lot more. Got it. Yeah, man, they're bad. <laughs> I, they're awful. Who, uh, football outsiders Steelers. or the Steelers? No, 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 like the, the sorry, the the rating, the rating for the Steelers. Like okay, like say yes. the Steelers are bad. I, I didn't know they were that bad. I haven't been paying attention to the Steelers at all. 
it's good to have different perspectives. PFF yeah. has it one way, and then Football Outsiders is like, what are you talking about, PFF? You're wrong. So, yeah, it's all right. So, let's see. Okay, my final prediction. All right, let's do this. I think I'm going to go, uh, I think I'm going to go 27, 21. And I'm unfortunately going to take the Steelers on this one. I, I understand. I don't understand. I mean, I I mean, I understand it. It'd be I'd be shocked if Gino put up 27 by himself. I'd be like, damn, Gino, that's a lot of points. Oh, okay. I'm not. I don't have to make a pick. It's our show. We don't have to make a pick. <laughs> no, that's like a pick, Chris. <laughs> no, I learned my lesson. You don't want to make a pick? No, I'm good. You sure? Positive. Final answer. Sam is golden with it. See what I did there? Okay. We're good. Okay, that's that's true. I'm not gonna make one. I make one at the end of the week. I think you um, do it every week. I didn't make one actually for the Thursday night game. You did because the week was so short. I usually do my preview that runs. I had to go Friday. back and reread the last sentence. No, I didn't. I didn't. I have it written. I will have what it would have been, but oh. I never actually followed it because of the scheduling. But I like <laughs> I like the pick Sam. I can I can respect that. Two uh, and four. It says you know I, before we sign off, I do feel bad for Gino, man. They didn't even want. They don't even want to advertise him as the starter. And if you see the Sunday Night Football NBC graphics, oh, like God. DK Metcalf and, ben. and Big Ben, I'm like, damn, can't put the quarterback yeah, up there. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I. I felt bad. They used to do that with some Rams games that run Sunday Night Football. Oh, they, no, they would put like Aaron Donald or Todd Gurley versus whoever. They wouldn't even put golf. I, yeah. I feel. Well, he's in Detroit now. We get it. I, I feel bad though, man. Like I can't even get the preview. I ain't even stunk yet. You can't just put me on the TV just to <laughs> sell some tickets. That's that's messed up. But man, Sam, thank you so much for joining us, man. Like I said, by the time this is out, your YouTube channel has the Jamal uh, episode. So go ahead and plug the hell out of that. Plug the channel, Jamal video, plug whatever you want to plug right now. This is your time. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so YouTube, Samuel Gold NFL. Uh, Twitter, Samuel R. Gold. Uh, all I'm gonna plug, but yeah, that's uh, that's. I mean, that's, that's enough right there. Find me. I'm sure you can find me somehow. They're all. <laughs> Man, you guys, I'm, I can't tell you guys enough. Sam knows his stuff. Yes, you can just tell by the terminology he's using, explaining it to us, and it makes it real simple. He does the work. He's not just tweeting that a guy stinks or whatever, <laughs> or even just using a grade to analyze a, analyze a position group or whatever. He goes and looks at the the numbers and the film, and then makes analysis. That is how you really do this part of the job so Sam, and it's not even sam's full-time really. sam does you know he's doing his own thing uh but we appreciate you man we gotta have you on again we will have you on again um we love the insights ladies and gentlemen that is seahawks man to man podcast again powered by the athletic i'm mike this is chris that's sam we will catch you guys after the sunday night game wow This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.